Good morning, church family. It is good to be with you in your homes or wherever you may be viewing this service from. I want to invite you to pray with me as we prepare to hear from God's Word. This morning I'll be reading from Romans chapter 8, from verse 18 through to verse 39. But before, before we hear the Word, let us pray together as God's people. Will you join me now? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified... He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
But no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A Scotsman by the name of Oswald Chambers, who died way too early in life, I think only at the age of 43, after his death in 1917, his wife would go on to compile his writings into over 30 different books and volumes. Some of us would know the name and associate it immediately with a devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest. Oswald was uh, an inspired man, a man that clearly in his own experience of God knew Jesus. And there's many things that he's written over the years that have been meaningful to many a Christian, but I came across a quote from Oswald that I think helps to frame uh, this particular message. He says things so well. We all know people, he says, who have been made much meaner and more irritable and more intolerable to live with by suffering. It is not right to say that all suffering perfects. It only perfects one type of person, the one who accepts the call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Oswald reminds me and reminds us, as does the Apostle Paul, that suffering is often a part of the Christian experience. It is a part of the life of the people of God who desires to follow in His ways. It is not to be a quality that we aspire to. It's not like we ought to desire to be martyrs, but it is within the Bible, very clear that both in the calling and the sending of God's people into this world to be a light unto this world, that that light is often threatening to the powers that be, and that we experience adversity and even suffering as we desire to fulfill the will of God. For us in Canada, in particular, uh, understanding suffering within our Christian faith might be a little tougher. It might be challenging because uh, it seems that there is a growing uh, perspective of Christianity that, that places ourselves in, in the position where God is responsible for meeting all our needs and ensuring that our life is perfect. It doesn't seem to be the biblical witness. It doesn't seem to be the way in which God works through people that desire to follow in His ways. As Christians suffer. It is an inevitable outcome of following Jesus, and it is a part of living in a world that is fallen. Uh, there seems, however, to be this idea that when we suffer, something must be wrong. Uh, you know, we, we are told uh, in some places that we need to then think about why we are suffering, because it must be something that we have done. 
But Paul would imply to the people he's writing to, to those who would follow Jesus and be faithful to him, that suffering is not only an inevitability, but as they suffer and as they long for God to make things right, that God has not left them without hope even in their suffering. The biblical witness, if I could put it this way, is that suffering in following the will of God might be a part of the journey that we live in a fallen world in which bad things happen even to good Christian people. Uh, Israel, in following uh, the, the, the plan and purpose for God, would at times experience suffering in their own journey. I think of Exodus when uh, the people of God cry out to God in their slavery. And, and, and this is what the Word of God says in Exodus chapter 2. God heard their groaning. We groan when we suffer. We cry out. We, we express that inner desire for things not to be the way they are. And it seems that the biblical witness tells us that that we as people of God who stand in this tradition of being called to be light in our world too will at times groan. Paul says creation groans, and he says we as followers of Jesus groan. The Bible seems to tell us that it is okay for us as Christians to cry out in times of suffering for relief and for reprieve. It is not natural to suffer without crying out to God. But Paul would have us know that there is, a, there is a hope for us as we suffer in accordance with God's will. There is a hope for us as we live in a world in which we may experience even things that are very tough and difficult. He challenges us, I think, in Romans 8 to shrug off the poor perspective that suffering is not a part of the Christian life. But he also implores us, if we listen closely, to see that our longing for a world made right is a longing that God promised will be satisfied. In other words, Paul is saying our suffering will not be the end of our hope, but as we suffer and we cry out, we have this assurance that God will bring about his perfect plan in this world and that suffering and even death will not have the final say. In fact, Paul would say it this, this way. He would say, whatever we suffer presently, whatever we're going through, however intense that might be, it pales in comparison to that which God is promised will happen. Uh, he, he says it very specifically in the text we just read. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to reveal to be revealed to us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, says Paul. But Paul is kind of putting suffering on the scale and saying it is not heavy enough to outweigh that which God says will eventually happen. Now, I'm getting really excited about that because when I think about the intensity of my own experience of life and the moments and the times in which I've experienced different kinds of suffering, perhaps not the kind of suffering that Paul is directly speaking to, but you and I as, as Christians and followers of Jesus all have our crosses to bear. We all have experiences that are difficult, experiences that are difficult uh, for, for various people in different ways. But I remember 
some of the things of my past that I had endured and gone through. And I remember how dark things felt, you know, how difficult it was when the mountain seemed far higher than, you know, to, to, to get out of the valley seemed impossible. And when I think about the intensity of those moments, when I remember when I felt like this could not be harder, more difficult, where will my hope come from? Uh, I'm reminded by Paul that as hard as those very moments have been in my life and in my experience, what God promises is that what He is going to make true outweighs anything that I have endured. Now think about it in your own life. Whatever has happened to you or whatever may happen to you, in fact, the Bible puts it this way, that even in the worst outcome of suffering, which is death, God's promises is that there will be a future hope and glory that makes light of that which we had endured. Now, I know that uh, that might not be very exciting to us as we go through our suffering. Uh, yeah, Stu, it's, it's good to know that there is a future hope. <laughs> uh, but Paul seems to understand that, that when we go through hard times, hope is hard to come by. In fact, when, when I look at the text, he, he kind of says that, you know, uh, we'd like to see it, but we don't see it because the circumstances around us don't show us what is promised. And I think for myself that sometimes when I go through difficult times, it is hard to come to hope. It is hard to believe that what God said will happen will happen. And so Paul says, you know, as we wait, we groan for something to happen that will change the circumstance. He, he speaks of, of groaning and he equates the world's groaning, creation's groaning, groaning to a, a, a woman in childbirth. <laughs> now, now I, I, I'm going to speak very carefully here because I know nothing of the pain associated with it. What I do know is that the worst thing I could have said to my wife at any point in time during her labor is, just be patient. I think it is very hard to learn how to wait patiently for that which God has promised when pain is intense. I think it is very hard to wait during COVID-19. I think it is generally very hard for us to wait for many things in a world that seems to tell us we need everything right now. The Bible tends to say to us, we need to slow down and we need to relocate this urgency that we feel not only in our suffering and our struggle, but as Christians in a hope that is real and true, even though it may not be very visible. I don't know if... As I grow older, I'm becoming more honest with myself. And I may read the scripture, you know, a few years ago and, and say, you know, I'm not quite implicated in this text. I, I'm a patient person. I, I can wait. I have faith even in difficult times. I have to be honest with you. I think when I read the scripture, I see myself implicated more and more. I see how that that sometimes I don't know how to wait well. I, I see that how sometimes suffering seems to be defining of me. Uh, I, I see how that sometimes I make what I endure far more heavy than what I believe God will do. And so Paul says to them, uh, that God has not left them to suffer without any help. In fact, he says 
that the Spirit of God will help them in their weakness. Now, I don't know if you've ever been this weak, if you've suffered in such a way that you are unable to pray. I've been there. I've been in places where the words are not there. I, 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 I've been in places where it is hard for me to believe that, that there will be hope, that things will be changed. One of the memories, of course, that I've spoken about many times here is at the time of the loss of my family and at the death of my little brother that next morning. I sat in that hospital, and I have to be honest with you, there was no ability within me to pray. And here's what Paul says to the church and says to you and I today in our own suffering. That we are not left without a helper. The Holy Spirit is not only a comfort to us in terms of He's given to be present with us even in the hard, difficult circumstances of life, but according to Paul, it is the Spirit that helps us in a particular way when we can't help ourselves, when things become too overwhelming. Uh, Paul would have us know that the Spirit helps to pray when we cannot pray. <laughs> I have a dear friend who prays for me all the time. In fact, as I was preparing to preach tonight, I sent her a note and I said, could you pray for me today? Because sometimes, even as I'm preparing, I feel the need to, to have someone intervene, to intercede on my behalf. Sometimes life feels heavy. Your challenges before us feels too much. And it's good to know that we can have friends we can call out. I hope you have friends that you can call upon and say, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with something. I'm going through something. But what Paul is saying is more than just fellow believers praying on our behalf, we have the Spirit of God that intercedes on our behalf and does not just intercede in any way, but prays that even in our suffering, God's will would be done in our life. I have to be honest, when I go through hard times. I want out. I don't see how this can be a part of God's great plan, and I don't necessarily pray necessarily for God's will. I say, reprieve, get me out, change the circumstance. But Paul says the Spirit that is our helper does not only pray for us in our circumstance, but pray that God's purpose, His will for our life, will be accomplished even when we go through the hard stuff. Ah, I need the Spirit today. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit every day. I, I just wonder if you might be in a place where this particular truth speaks directly to your heart. Maybe you've been in a place where it's been hard to pray. You've not known what to ask for or how to pray in your circumstance but maybe Paul's words to us encourages us to believe that even when we don't know, God knows. Even when we can't, the Spirit can. Not only does the Spirit pray for us in accordance with God's will, but when we long for that which God wants and we can't see how it will happen, we have this incredible promise that God has given us a helper that can sustain us and hold us even in our struggles. But not only is the Spirit of God our helper, Paul would have the Romans know that everything they endure will help them on their way to God's glory. I, I thought about, I, can I say that better? But I, I didn't come up with a better phrase, but let me try and explain it. 
There is the scripture, of course, in verse 28 that we all know very well. At least those of us have been Christian for a while. And, and we hear that we know that all things work together for good. It's rendered in some scripture, in some uh, uh, translations of the Bible. The NIV, however, captures it well, I think, from the original language. It goes like this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. The point is not that all things just magically work together. The point is not that even in our suffering and our difficult circumstances and the trouble we may face, that God is able to take even the bad and, and, and make it good. The point is, it is that God is the one who can do the amazing work of bringing his purposes to bear, even when it seems that life has gone sideways. I don't know if I could express how the scripture has spoken to my heart, but I want you to know that no matter the circumstance, no matter the disappointment, um, no matter what your suffering is. That what Paul is saying is if we're yielded to God, if we have allowed Him to become who He wants to be to us through Jesus Christ, that there's literally no circumstance beyond His redemptive ability, that God is able to bring all things into purpose and plan according to His great will, that, that even our pain is not wasted pain in God's redemptive plan, even the disappointments of our life, even the points where we have not been our best, even when things have happened to us that have been painful and hard. Paul is saying to this to us, that God's got it. That what he's committed himself to do for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ is that he is going to bring us through. And more significantly, Paul says this way, we know that God has got it because he has determined this before the creation of the world. He has decided. Listen to this, this verse in verse 29. Those he foreknew, he predestined to what end? To be conformed to the image of his son. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, not only will God be with you by his spirit and pray and intercede on your behalf that the will of God might be done in your life, but the spirit will work in such a way that even in your suffering, God's work of making you more like Jesus will not stop. <laughs> Come on now. Even when, 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 when things are hard and difficult, even the tough stuff of life in the hands of God by His Spirit. He's able to do this. He's decided it. He's decided it before you said yes to Him. He's made this commitment to us that those who have placed, that He has placed His grace and His mercy in their lives, that they will become like His Son even when life is difficult and things go wrong. That literally there is nothing that can stand in the way of that which God has determined to make you and me. My friends, as a Christian today, as a pastor today, I want you to say, I want you to hear me say that I need this truth for my own life. I need to know today that even in the things I don't understand, even in the things that are far harder than I can comprehend and make sense of, that there is a God who is working and is determined and commitment, committed and faithful and able to make Stu Williams into the very image of his son, that he can do that which no one else can do. And in our suffering, even our suffering cannot prevent the work of God in our life. Thanks be to God. Most of us, and with this I close, may find it hard to believe this when 
we are in the valley. But Paul says about all these things that if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul wants the Christians to know that God's mind has been made up <laughs> about them and that he is committed to his plan and to his purpose. I want to say to you as believers in Jesus Christ that God's mind is made up about us and it is good news. The good news is that he who has begun that good work in us is faithful to bring such work unto completion. And so, whatever you endure, whatever you face, as hard as life may be in the circumstances that are unique to you, know that God is faithful and that he is able. As I conclude my sermon, I want to invite you to remember, yes, who Jesus Christ is and His faithfulness to you and me, but perhaps we could participate in the Lord's table as ones who remember that He suffered, and yet God raised Him from the ultimate outcome of suffering, which was death. That as we participate by drinking the juice and eating the cracker, we are in some ways expressing our faith that suffering will not be the end of our life. That we belong to the one who has overcome Satan, sin, and death. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Death <laughs> is not the final word. We anticipate our Savior will return, the one who was raised from the dead. Father God, as we as your church, scattered but one in faith, participate in this sacred table that expresses your immense love for us. May we eat and drink as those who proclaim our hope that not even death can thwart your plan and your hope and your promise of eternal life. May in our suffering we be drawn closer to who Jesus is and become more like Him. So bless these elements as we receive them. May they be to us a means of grace, a way of remembering, 
and a strengthening of our faith. These emblems are emblems of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was broken and shed for us. I invite you now to eat and to drink and to give God thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your provision of your word and your table. And today, as we have joined together in hearing and eating and drinking, we do so as ones who proclaim our hope in you, that no matter the circumstances of life, you are faithful, and what you've promised you will do. In Christ we pray. Amen.